to be. But thank God for angel that was shielding and protecting and looking out Thank you, Lord. The devil had a plan to keep me alone. I got you. If this your testimony, testify. He wouldn't let it be so. Listen. Hey, I got work too. <laughs> there are blessings, there are blessings, blessings. Come on. Yourself. He blocked it. He wouldn't let no weapons formed against me prosper. He wouldn't let it be
Let's go. Hey. <laughs> All right, so now, Brother Perry, are you ready to be the voice of God? All right, so let's go to where we said we was going. This is our first court case, and this is moral character, right? We're seeing, we're testing. God is saying he wants to see the leaders of moral character. So what is the word of God telling us that God is seeking at this point? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, Perry, can you turn up a little bit? Because we can't hear you. He said it's very low. He said you're very low. All right. Can you hear it? Yeah, you good. Go ahead. You look inside of yourself. You take the time to just look outside of the box. Don't have any distractions. Just look inside of yourself. And once you are aware of, once you are aware of the qualities that you you have to be individual look at your qualities personal look and that awareness once you are aware of it you have the ability to create or build from it that's what we call character building because you build from your awareness okay so the holy spirit's job is to convict us and it convicts us in a way by showing us our identity without god Without God, it shows us all those characters that we have, not who we are, that's of the immoral nature. That's not and with who we are, is to show us our life without God. When we don't have God, and it leads us to repentance, it leads us to build our character from within and not without. It always starts from within, so it starts with spiritual discernment of the reality of your origin of your origin and your being you have to look at what you truly created as adam you know go back to the adam that you have to break it down to the smallest molecule of it. because it is that in the man's original origin that you are being in god it is your only true and enduring foundation of character that's the only way you can build a true solid foundation of character is realizing that your origins start with god and there are always two sides to an individual, inner self and the outer self. Adam, Eve, one person. Cain and Abel, one person. 
Jacob and Esau, Abraham and Sarah, Martha and Mary, it goes on and on. The Bible always brings that out because there's two. It's always for dual nature, but there's also a third where you come in. I am, once you center in your Christ consciousness, you know what you want, you know who you are, and you identify as Christ himself. You're not just a child of God. You'd be able to speak deeper than that. Christ spoke, I and the Father are one. Right. So let's go let's go to Matthew chapter five. Okay. Let me grab my Bible right quick. I don't know why it's so far away from me right now. Matthew chapter five. Yep, Matthew chapter five. Starting at verse 1. Starting at verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down with his disciples, they came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now let's stop right there. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Is that what you said? Yes, I did. Blessed are the so let's expound. What can be blessed about being poor in spirit? Now, go ahead. To be, to be poor in spirit is just like being conscious of one's continual dependency on God. You constantly depend on God. But to be poor in spirit, you have to be conscious of that. Always, ever present. Kingdom people always recognize our inadequacy and our insufficiency apart from him. Right. But we're talking to a group of people who doesn't know that yet, right? And so we need to go. So we're showing the evidence. So we're going to look up and what did it tell us when we're defining? We're not the ones defining it. God is defining what poor in spirit is because only God knows those people that he's seeking. So let's go to the definition of the word when we ask when we ask what does the uh, what does a poor in spirit mean to God? See, this will debunk anybody saying, "Oh, you just interpreting the Bible. Um, you're you're using your own words, and we're not." So we already have it because you already know we already did the work. So we're going to go ahead and read it. It says, poor in spirit includes an honest confession that we are sinful and utterly without the moral virtues that we need to, com to commit. So it's telling you that that's the form that you have to be in. We have to be in a position that God is seeking the people that's poor in spirit. And that means you're confessing that you're not walking and and the moral virtues that you could commend back to God. Because if we were, we would be seeing less of the chaos that's happening in the world if more people were operating out of moral character. We will see things differently. It says this deepest form of repentance acknowledges our desperate need for God. Those who are poor in spirit gladly cast themselves 
on God's grace. So now you see what people need to be doing at this time. And see, that's what's missing. We're trying to be leaders and everybody's declaring that they're a leader. But Christ ain't just looking for any type of leaders. He's specific on his leadership. He says he's seeking leaders of moral character. And then he says he need those leaders to lead the people who are poor in spirit. Do we not see that demonstration in Matthew chapter five, how it says his 12 disciples were also there and they sat down. And at the time that they sat down, so did the five over 5,000 homeless men, women, boys and girls. Well, that's the position that we need to find ourselves to be in so that we can see that God is here to bless us. This is how you could identify when God is here to bless us. So go to the next one. Number four. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Right. So now, now we have to go and identify what that looks like. So you get what, what this is doing. It's telling us each step, what is it going to take to be the blessed? And to say that you're blessed, you have to be in a position of, of poor in spirit because you're going to receive the kingdom of heaven. It didn't tell us to be in any other state. It didn't tell us to be in any other form. It tells us that we have to be poor in spirit and we will receive the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> this is where it gets beautiful, more interesting. Define morning. Now watch this. The morning for which Christ promises divine comfort is a sorrow over our sins with a godly sorrow. This godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Spiritual mourning is a matter of the heart. So that's the second blessing that God is telling us that if we're in this position, then this, this gift is waiting for us. You will be comforted. But two times in, in, in a row, three and four, of, of, of three, third and fourth verse is telling us something about repentance. So why do you think that God put it twice, like back to back, that if you pour in spirit, you're going to receive the kingdom of heaven. And that if you're mourning, you're in a position of mourning, you're going to be comforted. Like, is that not something you're going to fight against? Are you mad that God is telling you to be poor in spirit, to receive the kingdom of heaven? Are you upset? With Christ that he's telling you that if you're mourning, you're going to be comforted? What is that not what we're seeking for real, for real? That's what we're seeking. Amen. Let me read again the third and fourth verse from the Amplified Version of the Bible. All right. Number three. Blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired are the poor in spirit. Those who are devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. Verse 4, blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent, but they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. 
He's telling you the blueprints right there. Repent, and your burden of sin will be lifted. It's only the burden of sin that is burdening you. It's not your. It's not your fault. Alright, so now go to five. What is five telling us? This is so dope. I don't I'm I'm hoping that people will catch this. They catch what God is telling us. That if you're looking for Christ, he is in the group where the poor in spirit are. He said that's where he, he's at. If you're looking for him, he said, if you're seeking me, that's where you'll find me. But go ahead, read. Spiritually secure, worthy of respect, are the gentle, the kind-hearted, and the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, but they will inherit the earth. Now, there is a promise now of the earth. The first one, in verse 3, we receive the blessing of receiving the kingdom of heaven. The second blessing is to be comforted. And the third blessing is you telling me that we can receive the the earth. All right, what's our fourth blessing? All right, verse six. Blessed, joyfully nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who actively seek right standing with God, but they will be completely satisfied. Hmm. Sounds like a fulfillment, correct? Amen. So this was spoken over 2,000 years ago. So this already happened. It's not happening. It has already happened. So that's what our court cases is all about. We're letting the word of God tell you that if you're operating out of moral character, then you're with God. When you're going against it, you're the adversary. So if your flesh is going up against everything that your spirit is telling you to do and showing you the way, then it's your flesh is the adversary to your spirit and your soul. So it's hindering you to acknowledge the power of God. It's hindering you to, to receive the unconditional love of God. It's hindering you to walk in the empowerment of the word of God, because if we really believe what God is saying, we know that the Beatitudes in Hebrew means the blessed. So we know that God's love language is not just speaking to one nation, one sort of nation. He's not talking to black people. He's not talking to white people. He's not talking to Chinese people or African people. He's talking to his children. He says, my children who are called by my name. And we know that God is blessed. So we are the blessed. That's the name of God. So the blessed that are poor in spirit, the blessed that are mourning, the blessed. So we cannot declare that we are blessed and highly favored and not know what it is to be a blessing and to walk in the blessing or walk with the blessing because God is telling us who the blessed is. We're not making this up. That's why we come in straight out of the word of God. There's no argument when God is the one talking. All right, read. Let's go to six. <laughs> because, you know, the enemy will try to trick you to tell you that you're not blessed. Do I look like I'm blessed to you? Do I look at what I'm doing? Look at myself. Look what happened to me. Look at this. Look at that. But he says, poor, 
in spirit. So that means you poor in spirit. That means you blessed anyway, no matter how you look at it. You just have to change the way you look at it. Right, because you're in the right position. You need to be poor in spirit for you to be to, for you to receive the kingdom of heaven. It did not tell you to be in any other position. See, the nature of God is the position that we are in because the character of God is moral character. So it's not man's definition of moral character. It's God's definition of what moral character is. And then it's telling you the, the definition of poor in spirit. The characteristic is to be poor in spirit. The, the, the position, right? The nature of it is that you're going to receive the kingdom of heaven to be in that position. That's your reward. So let's go ahead. Six. I'm so blessed, joyfully nourished by God's goodness. Are those who conquer and thirst for righteousness, those who actively seek right standing with God, but they will be completely satisfied. Seven, blessed, content, sheltered by God's promise are the merciful but they will receive mercy. Now, who are the merciful? Do we not all need mercy? Do we not all need God's mercy? Are we are not in a position where we need to see the mercy of God? And do we really believe that we're not seeing the mercy? Let's check it out. <laughs> this is beautiful. What is the biblical definition of mercy? Mercy appears in the Bible as it relates to forgiveness or withholding punishment. For example, God the Father showed mercy on us when he sacrificed his son, Christ Jesus, on the cross to pay the price for our sins. So our question would be, why would we give honor to anything or anybody else when it's literally telling us that the word came to demonstrate what it looks like to put on this flesh? So we are the walking, living, breathing word of God. And it's what you do in that flesh that's going to represent the word of God. Do you concur with that? And that's the overflow. That's the overflow. It's put there for a reason. That's the overflow. It is verse 7. Verse 7, which is principalities. They're here for humans and nature. So it's here to teach us how to be humane. Everybody keeps screaming they're human. And God is saying, well, you're going to receive a human's reward. Because humans, God is telling you that your heart is so cold that you're not willing to be circumcised. This is the circumcision of the heart because it says that God is seeking leaders of moral character and that moral character is matters of the heart. It says, watch what you speak out of your mouth <laughs> because it's what's in your heart that comes out of it. It defiles you. So if you don't know what's supposed to be in the heart, you're going to speak recklessly like we see daily when people screaming, oh, I'm a Christian or I'm a Muslim. But then your actions lets us see those of us that have eyes to see, we can see straight through 
you declaring that you are a Christian or you are a Muslim. Because the first thing you say is when somebody starts speaking, oh, I'm a Christian. And now that reminds me when the demons saw Christ and they said, Jesus, why did you come for us? And they killed themselves. See, to me, that's an openly admitting that you know that the presence of God is present. Because why why do you have to defend your 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 portion of your religion? All we did was either came into your presence or we spoke about God. And the first thing you started declaring is that I'm a Christian. God is saying, I'm not seeking Christians. I'm not seeking Muslims. I'm seeking leaders of moral character. That means religion has no part in moral character. Religion has no part in the heart because religion is what they call. The, that's what is man-made. So it's, it causes division. God is saying, I'm looking for leaders who knows how to unite, who knows how to who knows how to integrate, who knows that the word of God is uh, integration, is interconnected, that I'm the creator. And in all creation, I created it. So I'm in all creation. So it makes no sense that we're arguing. What are we arguing about? If you are saying that you, you serve Elohim and I tell you that I serve Yahweh, guess what? They're the same. What's the difference between Yahweh and Elohim? They both I am. Their meanings may be different, but the name remains the same. It's legion. You know what I'm saying? Re means again, and legion is what came up to Jesus asking us, why are you bothering us? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's clear up and down. All these different religions out there is all about God, but creating separation and a faction because mine is slightly different. I might baptize you, you might not. It's all God. God is the only one that's allowed to separate himself. We're supposed to be at one. We're supposed to bring back his oneness by the separate pieces of him that we have found and went inside ourselves and redefined. That's why when, when Adam first got into the garden, the first thing God told him to do is to replenish the earth. If the earth is brand new and only six, seven days old, how do you have to replenish it? How do you replenish you know what I mean? Because they're not looking at the days. They're looking at day by day. And we know that one day to bed is a thousand years to God. So a thousand years already went by in this last 24-hour period. So when you're talking about the kingdom, you have to really be talking about the kingdom. You can't play with it. You can't pick it up one second and then put it down. Once you start speaking on God, you have to start speaking. Calculate and you have to do the math the way God does math. And man, don't think that far. But let's get to eight. Is we on eight or nine? <laughs> All right, let's go. Blessed, anticipating God's presence. Anticipating God's presence. Hmm, go ahead. Blessed, anticipating God's presence. Spiritually mature are the pure in heart that are those with integrity, moral courage and godly character for they will see god hmm they will see god, see god. hmm but you got to be what let's let's read it again you got to be blessed you got to be anticipating god's presence you got to be spiritually mature while you're pure in heart and then pure in heart means those who have integrity moral courage and godly character look at moral courage 
you know what it means to have moral courage, to know the right thing to do, have morals, but to stand up on it, courage. Don't just let people stand around and walk around and do stuff that you know is morally wrong just because it might be legal. Courage, speak the word. Even if you don't be moved to action, do something. Speak the word. Put moral out there. It's, it's our job to speak the word. We are the presence of God. That's why you will see God, because you have godly character, for they will see God when you do these things. That's a wonderful promise, ain't it? Amen. Who mad at that promise? <laughs> Let's go to nine. Nine. Blessed. Spiritually calm with life joy in God's favor are the makers and maintainers of peace. But they will express his character and be called the sons of God. Hmm. So in order to be called the sons of God, you have to be a peacemaker. Amen. You have to be in a position to be a peacemaker. Is that not what the God is declaring? Amen. It's not something that we're making up. This is Christ. This is what Christ was teaching us, teaching to the disciples and teaching to the, the 5,000 homeless men, women, boys, and girls. This already happened on Mount Sinai. So let's go to let's go to the next one. Because we're only going up to twelve for for the second for this for this portion right here. Comforted by inner peace and God's love are those who are persecuted for doing what is morally right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and for them. And you know what I love about this verse right here, because um, you know. Because we work together a lot. And you know when we show up for work, if they say 7 o'clock, we already there at 6.30. Maybe sometimes even at 6. Because we're not there because they telling us to be there. We're showing up because that's the integrity. We're on God's timing. And so leaders always show up before anybody else get there to assess the situation. And we found ourselves being persecuted for being on time. We found ourselves being persecuted for listening to music that empowered us, like our spiritual music that, you know, we sing, we dance in front of whoever because we're, we're performing for God. It's, it's making sure that God knows that we're putting God first on any job that we went on. And we were persecuted for that. Um, and so we found ourselves fired from jobs that we know we gave this company everything and they just couldn't appreciate everything that we came with. And so I love that. But let's read that one again. Start that one again from the beginning. Blessed. Comforted by inner peace. Is that the right one? No, blessed. Spiritually calm with light. No, it is 10, right? Yeah, it's number 10. Blessed. Comforted by inner peace and God's love are those who are persecuted for doing what is morally right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. There, there go that, there go that blessing again. Read that blessing again. The kingdom of heaven. Is that the second time he said they will receive the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, because it's going to come again. The last one is again. So listen, we we write where we need to be. We just want people to hear the blessings. That this is the time that God is saying, 
that he's preparing the table in the presence of our enemies. The flesh is the enemy. Your flesh is your enemy. If it's keeping you and keeping you from learning more about who you are in Christ and finding out more what Christ has in store for you and within you, then it's doing its job. You're just not doing yours. You might not know what your kingdom looks like, but we know what ours look like. And our job, our assignment is to come and, and, and just have these type of open conversations so that other people can hear these conversations as well. Because the more of us start talking about how great you are inside of yourself, the less we'll have people complaining. And so we'll start seeing things change around us. Nothing around us is going to change until we change how we think. So let's go to the next one. What the next one say? Number 11. Blessed, morally courageous, and spiritually alive in life, joy, and God's goodness are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of your association with me. Be glad and exceedingly joyful for your reward in heaven is great, absolutely inexhaustible. For in this same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, this ain't nothing new. This happened already. But if we don't look at what happened to our ancestors and our ascended masters, it's going to continuously happen. So it's generational curses that's happening over and over and over, and we're expecting different results. Well, see, that's where insanity comes in at, because it's insane to believe that you can change anything that already happened. You can't change it. But what you can do is see that it happened already and prevent it from ever happening again by learning those lessons. And that's what our whole entire program is all about. And so when we wrote, when we sat down and we was able to sit down with God, we were able to put all of this down on paper. So we definitely have the evidence that we read Habakkuk and we went for a walk with Habakkuk. We, we walked with Jeremiah 33. So we know that God saw the land as desolate. And without people living on it, it says not even the animals, everything was dried up. Do Maui not look like that right now? Like it's crazy what's happening. And we wrote this in 2020. And we said to the people that we were willing to build homes that can withstand eight to 10 category storms. Why? Because God showed us that the category only get up to a five. So if you already see that the storms only get up to a five category, it's not saying that the storms are not going to come, but it's showing that God is already preparing us for the storms. So if this government and all of these leaders are such leaders, then how come they don't already have preventative measures for everything that's happening? How come we're not seeing them building our buildings that's bulletproof and bombproof so that our children can play innocently in their homes. It's not happening in their neighborhoods. It's happening in our neighborhoods. The floods is coming into our neighborhoods. The, the, the soil water is happening in our neighborhoods. The liquor stores on every corner is on our, 
in our neighborhoods, in our communities. But our job is not to complain about that. It's to say, let's get together. Everybody who lives on this block and let's go to this liquor store and tell them, look, you got to get off. Nobody's going to buy from you. So you're going to lose a lot of money being in our community where we should be building foundation centers and youth centers and centers for our elders. Um, um, centers for domestic violence, because we see that domestic violence is what up 200 percent. We see all of the crimes that people are committing. We see this is happening, but it's happening because there's nothing left to, to replace it with. Except for jails and then the jails are there and they're overcrowded. So what we're seeing now is also the um, people dying now in prison of bad bugs. They're being stabbed to death in prisons. They're being beat to death in the prison. But we see no solutions. And when we tell people that we literally have the solution to all of these problems, why? Because everybody we're partnering with survived these very same things in their lifetime. We can declare that we have the answer because the answer is in Christ. Did we have another one? Which one was that? That was 11 or 12? That was 12. All right. So this, this should be the last one. Go ahead. This is just something different. We have to walk this way. Go ahead. So 11 was blessed, morally courageous, and spiritually alive with life, joy, and God's goodness. Are you when people insult you and persecute you falsely, say all kinds of evil things against you because of your association with me? 12. Be glad and exceedingly joyful, for your reward in heaven is great. Mm. See, that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. So look at that. There go that promise again, right? And I believe 13 would be the salt of the earth, right? It'll start telling you salt and light. It'll start going into how you have to code yourself. See, those was the promises. Those are the nine promises that you will find on the, the kingdom business plan. That's a business plan, right? Those are nine principles, nine principles, nine positions, nine conditions that is telling us that we need to be in. Then from 13 all the way to the end, it's showing you how God is separating the sheep from the goats. It's showing you that if you're in that position, these are the th these are kingdom citizens, what you should and should not do. So coming to 13, it's telling you how God is separating the salt from the light. It's telling you how to take oaths. And when you take in oaths, be careful at the oaths that you take. Because when you make somebody a promise, it says, even if it kills you, you got to keep that promise. How many leaders today are failing us at making promises to, to us that they know that they can't keep? How many parents is making promises to their children that they know that they can't keep? How many children is making promises to their parents that they know that they can't keep? Well, we all have to learn that we cannot just make promises and not be willing to keep them because it's based off of God's principles. 
God's image, God's character, his nature, his authority. And people think that you can't have fun in this life serving God. <laughs> Right. That's right. Because you have to be blessed. So don't keep declaring that you're blessed and highly favored, but don't know, but not receiving the gifts of a child that's blessed and highly favored. It makes no sense for us to keep playing with the word of God like that. If you say you know it, God is saying, show it to me. And so that's what this court looks like. It looks like you're giving your issues to God and saying, I have an issue, Lord. I'm not walking in moral character. Teach me, train me, and coach me. And when we do that, we have to trust the word of God, not because somebody else is saying it, but because God said it himself. We're not reading what somebody else wrote, saying that it was inspired by them. We're reading what God is saying. God said that. And that's good news. We're only giving people the good news because that's what messengers do. Messengers of the Lord spread the good news. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. Well, that land is inside of you. The, the, heart, the matters of the heart is inside of you. You're not being charged or tried or convicted because of me. You're being tried and convicted due to you, how you respond to life, how you're responding to situations, how you respond. We can't keep blaming them like Adam did. It's the woman that you gave me. And we can't be like Eve, oh, it's the snake that came. You have to stand up and hold yourself accountable for what's going on in your Garden of Eden. Do you believe that we all have a Garden of Eden inside of us? Or is it just one Garden of Eden and we all inside that Garden of Eden? Garden of Eden experience is a perpetual consciousness. 
dimension that's inside of our heart and soil that it came from is us. We were made from the dirt. He made Adam from the dirt. He didn't go around and get new dirt to make Eve. You know, he made Eve out of Adam. You know what I mean? So they are one. Back to the oneness of everything. The same way, what, what did Jesus pray? Everybody always go to the Lord's prayer, but Jesus' prayer was, Father, make them one as we are one. You know what I mean? Right. So we all have a garden to keep eating, and it's reserved specially for God Himself. And everybody's worried about the tree in the midst of the garden that you can't, like you say, people think you can't have one. Look at the thousands of other trees. The thousands. Don't look at what you can't do. Come up with new inventive ways of what you can do. You know what I'm saying? He made you a creator. He gave you intuition. He gave you a way to receive knowledge and to put it back out there in the world that will create with just the words you speak and just the, the attitudes to be attitudes. See, that's one thing. You are human beings, but a lot of people make that make the mistake of being human. And it's transcending from that. The Bible said Moses was not a mere man. It was a transcending, a transcending where they got scared when they seen his face. Oh, he looked like God himself. You know what I'm saying? You have to become one with the Father. And that's in the Garden of Eden where he's kept for us. He can be naked and unashamed. Amen. Amen. So before we end, we're going to go to what is the testimony of God? Right? Because people don't know this, but this is how you testify. It says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is, is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you. Believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life because without it, then you're not really living. And the punishment to that is to die in the flesh because that's what they died. They was they deserve to die a, a sinner's death and God still blessed them. So Eve is a leader who learned from her failures. And we know that Adam really never learned from his failures. Nobody likes to talk about Seth. Seth was the third son of, <laughs> of Adam and Eve. And he was the seed that God brought back into this world because he needed a clean slate because Cain killed Abel. And we find ourselves with Cain and Abel spirits in our families. Whether it comes in the form of a mother or a father or a sister or a brother, it doesn't matter. People have on those demonic spirits that come down from generation to generation. And the fact that we don't talk about those things is an issue. Right. They think it's they think it's an earthly or a personal thing. It didn't even originate on earth. You know what I'm saying? Separation of family started in heaven. Gotcha. Angels of brothers, they consider each other brothers and sisters. So that started up here. And then it came down here. So we're dealing with something that's inside of us that's not even earthly. That's right. You know what I'm designed to go against our family unit. It went against God's family unit in heaven. It went against the first family unit that God established in the first colony called Eden. And our job is not to let that happen. Um, we only have a few minutes left on the radio's podcast. So we're going to go and play a song real quick. And to do this, we've got to go back to the
take us out. And we saying we want it all back. Come on! Ty Trip is gonna take us yeah. out, y'all. If you want it all back, jump to your feet right now! <laughs> oh! For the king of suffering violence! For the violence! Take it! Take it! By force! Let's go! Let this be your testimony. We gonna take it back. We gonna take it back. Time to get back to the kingdom, y'all. Let's go. Somebody scream. Thank you, Tyson, for this song, baby. You don't know the many more that we hear when this song saved my life. Let's go. Everybody say, I want it all back.
listen, here we go, y'all. This will we all take it back together. Man, give me my stuff back. Take it back, y'all. That's what that means. It's a spiritual warfare. But it's your flesh that you're really fighting against. Once you conquer your flesh, the rest is sold up. Ain't nothing else to do. Win, win, win. It's in you. You have everything to take it. We'll see y'all next week or when we come back. Peace.